it's that concept of you've got to kind of work to your strengths. So I'm not going to try and teach someone how to do clotheslineness. It's not me. All I can do is say, hey, I can help you with um, the structure of how you can do it, but I'm not going to give you advice on the fashion. Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Kobe Lee. Now, Kobe is a friend of my daughter's, and that's how I got to meet her. And she's an author, um, which is for a young woman of her age. Kobe, how old are you? Oh, 19. 19, right. For a young woman of her age, taking on a book is a big task, uh, which she's done, and it's fantastic. And her, she writes on entrepreneurship while she's also doing a double degree, a Bachelor of Business in Creative Industries. Kobe... I'd love to talk to you about the journey so far, where you see it's going to go, and thank you for getting up at uh, 6.30 in the morning to record with me. (laughs) That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's a fascinating thing when we talk to people who are young, especially when we're old, to sort of get an idea of their journey and what sparks them along. And, you know, there's plenty of people who wish they'd started something younger in life, and to actually take that step and put it under your belt and maybe it becomes your whole life path who knows or it'll always be a milestone point in your life path regardless so I really appreciate that uh, people who take the step people who start out we had a a guy called Nathan Woodrow on the um, show about oh goodness I reckon must be nearly a year ago and Nathan's a young entrepreneur and has a clothing brand called Ride and uh, he's in a little town um and he's just set it up and he's got this company that he's selling stuff all over australia and beyond so anyway welcome to the show tell me how what made you decide that a book was going to be your thing were you just a you know writing genius at school or something what was the what happened there (laughs) uh so english has never been like my best subject i'm not gonna lie it wasn't my A subject. In case you have a tutor who's listening going, she was yeah. not. <laughs> I was never really like amazing at English. But this is Thrive is my third book. So right. I've written two books in the past, one in year seven and then one in year eight. So I would have been. So what were 14. they called? Oh, we don't even know what they're called. But they were just <laughs> some they were just some um, fiction books that I poured my heart and soul into and self-published them and just sold them to my community and to my friends and whatnot. So that was my first taste of writing. And so I've always enjoyed the process of writing books and completing them. I just find very, very satisfying about picking up something and saying, wow, like I spent nearly a year working on this. And so... I really loved that side of the writing. And when I finished in year eight, 15, I said to myself, 
I'm never writing a book again. That's too much work. Like, oh, you, you gave me a massive migraine all the time. And putting down some big life, um, you know, just talks yeah. to yourself at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah, just going, no, don't ever even do that to yourself again. And so at that point, I picked up selling succulents and doing more business oriented because I started to enjoy the practice behind what made my book sell. Yeah, cool. And so from that point, I spent the rest of my couple years thinking and doing courses and doing diplomas and during school, trying to figure out what made things sell. And so in year 12, at the Steiner school that I go, that I went to, we do an independent project and it doesn't go towards anything. It's not recognized. So they said, you need to do something. And I decided that this was the time that I was going to write another book. Right. So you put that, you put that old, I'm never going to write another book behind me. And in year 12, (laughs) year 12, you went, okay, I'm going to write another book. Yeah. It was a big, kick for myself because I was, I was so adamant that I was never writing another book but then I'd figured out how to sell something right and so that was my big thing I was like I reckon I can do it this time and make it work yeah okay cool and, yeah and so in, I in the journey writing. in the journey of learning how to sell something so yeah look so many great ideas never get um taken anywhere because there's something insurmountable. And then so many people um, would, would do what you've done and actually write the manuscript, but then um, never work out how to publish it. And then even if they did publish it, they would end up with 10,000 copies sitting, you know, propping up the end of their bed, or it is their bed. Um, when you say you worked it out, tell me what kind of people influenced that? Um, did you have any mentors? Uh, what what were the fundamentals that you worked out that you go, oh, okay, this made the difference or these points were what made the difference? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with in, mentors. Was there any mentors? Yeah. Was there anybody that you followed and, and, you know, that spoke to you about it or gave you the support? not really in my community that like sure I had my parents and everything and they're all very supportive but like they weren't doing what I wanted to do so I didn't have mentors in the sense that mm-hmm. I was following in their footsteps they were just supporters um but it was kind of when I started listening to like the podcasts reading the books by Richard Branson Grant Cardone we got Gary Vaynerchuk all these Big great mentors to have. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started reading their work and I really aligned with it. And so I said to myself, okay, this is kind of cool. And then there was this one, oh God, I even forgot about a young entrepreneur in America. And his name is Caleb Maddox. And he was this big thing for me. And he was the same age as me. And he was doing something that I really wanted to do. So I pretty much embodied his persona. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, try right. and do it in Australia. Um, yeah, cool. So, yeah, I kind of use them as mentors. And mm-hmm. then in year 12, I had to get actual mentors and reach out to um, actual business owners and really talk to them. Yep. But yeah, in regard, it was mostly self driven in yeah, a cool. sense. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. When you said in year 12, you had to reach out to business owners. Um, why was that? What was that? Was that part of what Steiner, you know, the, the project required you to do? Or was it more something that you um, used as a strategy? Or how, what was that? So both, actually. Um, through the Steiner project, you have to have one mentor that's mm -hmm. going to support you through your project. And I didn't want to get another writer because I'd figured out the writing thing. So I really yeah, right. wanted someone as a business owner to just go, hey, it probably it actually doesn't work like that. Like someone, I don't know. And I met this amazing woman who owns a market school at Umundi Markets. Yep. Her name's Michelle. And she has, um, oh gosh, I've just forgotten what her That's business it. was called. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was amazing. She was just there as like a support system and someone for me to talk to because at this point no one knows what I'm talking about when I'm talking about business or anything so I got her and I just talked to her a lot and then because my book was such a complex subject I decided that I needed to interview other people to be involved in the book and that's how I met your daughter Paris uh, yeah. I interviewed her as part of my book Yes, And so I got to meet over a dozen other business owners, young entrepreneurs, um, so a lot of them in person, but because of COVID, I did have to do a lot of Zoom calls and recordings. Yeah. And so, yeah, I reached out to that community to be able to support my writing in my book. And it did help a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I learned awesome. so much from them. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I bet you did. And, you know, you learn from all the people that you're around like that, but those ones that are taking a similar journey to you um, as in being entrepreneurs is really interesting because they'd be all, you know, struggling with similar things at similar times. And also some of them will have broken through different points of it. And they're like, yeah, we're doing this now. And I'm, I've got this bit sorted. What did that, when you started writing the book, so the books thrive, when you started writing the book, um, how did it change from, you know, how you kind of kicked it off to how it became? Because it's a, you know, it's a journey. It's, uh... <laughs> Tell me about that. It is a journey, right? Yeah. Um, to be honest, it started off quite, it finished and started exactly how I imagined it. The only thing that, I was not expecting was the response from the people I interviewed. So I was expecting to interview maybe five people, yeah. maybe five people. And like, I know those people, like I've met them before, but I did the courageous thing and I reached out to even more people in my community in across Australia. So I was interviewing people in Melbourne that I'd Never seen on TV. And oh, I thought cool. they were cool. Yeah, Never right. met before. Nice. And so I reached out to them and they would get me in contact with another person and mm -hmm. they'd say, I'll make sure they respond. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, I'm talking to all these people in a network. And, and then I also reached out to the Barefoot Investor because I thought, hey, sure. probably yeah. be interested. Sent a really nice message saying that they don't do um, collaborations with outside brands, but they wished me the yeah. best of luck, which was yeah, really beautiful. cool. Yeah, well, he's but, a clever uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that it was really interesting because being with the other young entrepreneurs, because it was a mix. There was young entrepreneurs, there was um, older business owners, younger, everything yeah. and across all the industries. 
but we all shared one thing very much in common and it was that drive of passion and they all talked about passion wasn't even a question I put in there they just instantly referred back to it being the thing they love isn't that and I thought that was really though? cool you know, I, I interviewed uh, Samantha Wills not too long ago, and I'm, I'm a big fan, uh, partly because I've got a fashion background originally, and with that, I love what she did with her jewellery line. But also just uh, she's such a champion um, for women and champion for business. And she was saying, you know, if she, the naivety of knowing, uh, not knowing, sorry, the naivety of not knowing um, how vast the world is and how vast business is and all those things is what made her just do what she did because she didn't know. If she thought about it now, she'd go, oh, my God, I couldn't do that. She would start to limit her thinking. Um, and rather than just being naive enough, because there's always somebody who can tell you how you won't be able to do it or how it can't be done. <laughs> And finding the right people around you that tell you how it can be done and guide you through that. Um, and just your own self-belief, you know, like you said, with Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that, it's like, yeah, go for it. Like, if you don't do something, you'll do nothing. Mm. Well, he didn't probably say it quite like that. He would have sworn a few more times, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's part of the way he he presents and that's part of his, his statement and it works. It's, you know. Yeah. Mm. If you looked now and you so you're, you're studying and um, with that, I, I asked you before that we started. So how are you supporting yourself? And you said on book sales and I'm like, bring it on. That's fantastic. Um, supporting yourself at uni, living away from home on book sales. So tell me about book sales, how, how you promote um, and now, what kind of things do you do? I know you've done some author signings and stuff like that, but tell me about that. Yeah, so I do author signings pretty much most of the time, every time I get into a new bookshop to help bring sales into that shop. And I've done a couple of those, but majority is just when I'm out doing podcasts, like you're the third yeah. podcast I've done this week. Yeah, right. um, and... These are amazing because I get to talk to people yep. and hear everything and catch up and mainly just getting out in the community. Like I find just being involved because what I figured out in those years between writing my books is that my book doesn't sell. It's me that sells. No one's buying my book because they want to buy my book. People buy Unless people. It's like that small percentage. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They, they buy it because they like me. And so that's something I've had to really work on. And through that, well, I being have... being likeable. <laughs> You've had to yeah. work on being likeable. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. You've done a pretty good job I'm always going to be present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, so I also got a scholarship through the university, through my book, which, has got, which I by no means am academically above up there like yeah. I'm not hired or anything yeah. so um I got in there based on my book awesome. and so they offered a scholarship and so I have to do a lot of community activities and be part of the entrepreneur program at QUT so 
that's super exciting. So that also brings in that security yeah, of money of <laughs> alongside Absolutely. my book. Yeah, for which, sure. Yeah, and so I use those two, which I, in sense I do say that is pretty much what my book got me, yep. got me that scholarship. Oh, that's a big bonus in itself. Yeah, that's one sales yeah. channel, like, sorted. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, otherwise, yeah, just reaching out to bookshops and getting in the community is how I'm selling my book at the moment. But I am working towards, um, I've been offered some public speaking gigs. Cool. So that's kind of what's coming up next and probably programs alongside that. Yeah, so, nice. Big things. <laughs> yeah, really, really nice. It's, um, you know, I think that like you were saying with podcasts, one of the things that podcasts have sort of this limitless opportunity to go everywhere. And yeah. uh, in that, it's uh, one of the things that I did when I set up Talk Design was I didn't just want to talk to designers. I wanted to talk to people who are passionate and people who were driven to do something and creative. Those were the sort of the key things. And in doing that, it'd be very easy just to reach out to people that are well-known. And we do that with some of it, reach out to some really well-known people um, in their fields. And the joy I get out of talking to someone who isn't well-known, like, you know, just somebody who does yeah. what they do is, you know, fascinating. It's, it's because it's probably so close to the understanding of your own journey where the others can be so far ahead of your own journey. Um, it's a really beautiful mix. But what in doing that, you get to expand your network of people and in expanding your network of people, in my case, I get different levels of thinking. And whether I'm talking to someone like yourself who's a young entrepreneur or whether I'm talking to someone who's like um, in their 80s, I get some incredible story point from them, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I really enjoy that part. And then also the fact that it goes out to so many different people around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you, you, Hey, it's about having people listen, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is, is what do um, I get from it? What does it do for me? And then the people that do listen, what does it do for them? It's yeah. uh, and I think it's, um, you know, like it's a fabulous step to start, uh, you know, like writing. I go, I could never do it myself, but I think it's really, I couldn't, I'm dyslexic. It takes me bloody, it'd take me about five hours to write one page. And uh, and that wouldn't be writer's block, trust me. <laughs> um, and then you get, uh, you know, like, so something like that. And then actually working out the structure of it as well, working out the structure of a book. Um, how did you go about doing that? How do you work out that structure? Um, oh, gosh. That, like, takes me back to, like, year seven when I was learning mm -hmm. how to write. Um, you know, the good old uh, starts off, goes up, goes down. Yep. So I didn't – so it's a nonfiction book, so I couldn't write yes. it like that. No, I've never a, written a, a, a business before. Yeah, business book versus a um, fiction, a non-fiction book, sorry, a fiction book um, is quite a different thing. So how did you switch that? Like, so you'd taken on two fiction and then all of a sudden you're going into a business book mode. Is there a book that you are related to and went, okay, there's a formula, a map? How did you go for that? 
uh, no, no map, no formula, but I, because I've done a lot of reading and so I've read a lot of business books, I've read a lot of personal development and a lot of financial books. And so Barefoot Investor, Barefoot Investor, I really yeah. enjoyed his way of engaging the audience. And so that's, I embodied his writing style. Right. Because that yeah. is a lot how I speak. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'm aiming it towards young people. They don't want to just be reading another business book that tells you to do this, this and this. So I try to engage the audience through my writing. And so I put it in, uh, split it into chapters. So it's a journey. Yeah, cool. So you start at one chapter and you get to the middle of the book. And then in the middle of the book, it splits. And then in the second half of the book, I've just done individual chapters and you can kind of flick through and choose what you want to do. So we want to learn how to network, jump the social media, advertising, marketing. How is your business a hobby or an actual business? Uh, tax, everything. Right. So I split it into two parts. So find your idea and begin it. Check its work, and then let's build on it. Kind yeah, of so idea. Make a proven concept, and then then um, accelerate that, like blow it into what yeah. it can be. I think well, that, there's no point having a business if you're gonna if you're just gonna make it really pretty Instagram. That yeah, yeah, work. true. You can't true. just make a really pretty Instagram and do all yeah. that. Like that comes after you know that it's actually gonna sell. That you've actually got something to of, of value yeah. to give to people. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Scott, um, you know, barefoot investor. I love his style. He he's got a lot of humor. Um, yeah, and he tells it from himself, you know, like the humor is usually laughing at him or his situation at some point. It's uh, yeah. it's very, very engaging, and then the lessons are just so um rigorous, I suppose, just in the simple, the you know, they're broken into bite sized pieces. So, a great, um, a great style to take on. And you know, yeah. to, to use as a base to find your own piece for that. So, what's next for you? You know, um, how many more? How many years? I shouldn't say more. It'd be quite a few. <laughs> how many years of study have you got ahead of you? If you if you just knock it out of the park <laughs> and get it done, I've got four years left. I so cool. I start next week on Monday. Yeah. Um. So I've got four years and. I've just been told that I probably will have to do an exchange and go to um, MIT in okay, right. overseas. That's where they want me to go. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was like, okay, like I guess. Well, there's a lot worse places than going to MIT. I'm sure. Of yeah. That. I was like, uh, like if I if I need to, like sure, I'll go. And why <laughs> so do they why do they um, um, think that you'd go future? to MIT? What's what's the go there? What's the purpose? I don't know. I told them I just wanted to own a coffee shop and live a simple life doing simple business. And they said, no, you're, you're not allowed to do that. They're like, you've got too much. <laughs> you've got too much in you to waste at a coffee shop. Yeah, and right. So they're like, you're going to MIT. Well, unless it's this. Starbucks, I suppose, you know, like unless it's something big like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I was like, it could have grown big. But yeah. that, well, that's it. You know, like uh, the thing that's amazing about entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what the industry is, there's somebody at the top of it. And, you know, Starbucks is a great example of the coffee shop industry. 
um, you know, as is McDonald's of the burger industry. It's um, it, whether you like them or hate them or it doesn't really matter. There is somebody that works out the formula that makes the difference to yeah. actually being able to spread that that through and and in every industry and every industry there's somebody that sits at the top or a group of people that sit at the top and they do it um often by their own unique method but they're really walking down the same map or the same path they're following the same path as many entrepreneurs but they're the innovative thinkers that jump outside of the box and just twist it enough that uh, it all comes together um MIT, as I say, that would be a pretty fa fabulous journey. You know, Massachusetts is an amazing state in America. Uh, and most of those East Coast states are. You get some cold winters as well as you get some beautiful summers. Um, I'd like to see the snow. I've been in Australia all my life. And you've, <laughs> have you never really been, you've never been to the snow? I've never been to the snow. <laughs> okay. There's plenty of, <laughs> yeah, you want to do the snow in Colorado or Utah or somewhere like that, I reckon, but, or California. Um but yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Vermont isn't far from there, and um, some of those states where they've uh, got some amazing snow with skiing and stuff like that as well. So, but it's also, you know, like um, you'll get snow on the ground there as well. So uh, yeah, I'm just excited to go anywhere. To be honest, I don't even care if it's MIT. <laughs> I'm just excited to study abroad, get out of um, Australia, see the world. Absolutely, you're very limited to what you've experienced is what I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, in traveling, so, you know, heading off to somewhere like MIT, it'd be, you, you grow up at a different level. You know, you've, mm. you've, you've got a, I say that, that sounds a bit condescending. Um, I didn't mean it that way. You, you get um, traveling and being sort of like in that space where you actually have to use all your wits and, and, really be game on to how your future lies with it um it's such an exciting process it's like it just takes you uh yeah it just takes you recently a friend of mine did this little poll where was the first place you ever caught a plane to and it was you know fascinating and he, he put this out with you know a, a big community of people and i was reading through some of them mine was los angeles there's the first plane ride i ever took from new zealand to los angeles and uh, within 48 hours of being in Los Angeles, actually within 24 hours of being in Los Angeles, I was driving a car on the wrong side of the road. Um, oh, gosh. You know, on, free, on freeways, um, which I look back now and go, oh, that, yeah, it does seem like something. But again, that thing I had somebody who was guiding me with it and all the rest, but like it was such a, a journey of discovery. And then, of course, the next piece of the journey is easy. You know, and you just yeah. go, well, I can do that. Well, you don't even think I can do that. You just do it. And then the next pieces you can do more. And then the next pieces you can do more. And I think travel opens so many horizons. And also somewhere like MIT, because you get a lot of smart people from a lot of places. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it's super exciting. Mm. Like even just being here at QUT, I'm like bumping into yeah. some amazing people. And we're the same age. Yeah. And they're like talking and it's just so um, enlightening and inspiring being around other people who are doing study again because I took six months off 
So I'd removed myself. That was your gap education. Yeah, that- that was, that was my gap, gap year, year that you only did six months of. <laughs> six months, yeah. Just rushed pretty much working. Gap, yeah, yeah rushed, rushed through a gap year and uh, yeah. came out the other side. <laughs> so, but I'm so happy to be back doing, like, education, like, doing school, in a sense. Yeah. Learning. Well, part of that's it because it's a passion and a drive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What I enjoy to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you never do a day's work when you are passionate about what you do. It's um, it's just a, a part of filling the process. Um, so are you st- have you got another book underway? Have you have you <laughs> no. have you planned one, or are you never doing another one? Um, like I've planned like I wouldn't know what the nonfiction. I guess you just call it a little nonfiction handbook, but mm-hmm. we in fiction you call it a novella, so it's a shorter oh, okay. version of a book. Sure. Um, so I'm thinking of doing like little little versions of yeah. like. Sh- deeper into some of the chapters and like good old selling points like 50 tips to 50 dollars you know yes. kind of yeah kind of market it like that but yeah what i'm going to do kind of some of those mm-hmm. and then probably i'm going to go more into the actually getting it done kind of thing so designing planners and desk planners just breaking gotcha. down what you actually need to do because gotcha. a lot of people get stuck in their head and yes. don't get it can't out. Seem to don't get it out. So I'm trying to simplify how to do that. Yeah. Because I know I need to write everything down, or I need to put it in my diary, or I need to put it in my Google Calendar, mm-hmm. or else nothing happens. Yeah. And so at the moment, I'm just trialing an error, everything, asking people what works for them. Yeah. And seeing how other people do it. So to hopefully at the end have something that works really well. It's interesting, eh? Like if um, if you're looking at that and you can identify the different, you know, different types of people and why they need different things. So I always find that it's all the planners, the people who are super organized, great time planners, all those kind of people. They tend to have these amazing lists and have these methods for doing lists and stuff like that. I stay pretty much in my head most of the time with it because I, to write's an effort and um, I have an amazing ability to hold an awful lot of stuff in my head, but that's partly because it's the only way I've really ever done it. And I often yeah. look across at the you know people who work for me and they'll be there with their pads and they've got you know long lists of stuff that they're doing. And I'll go, oh, could you write down something for me? And I'll have like three things on my list. I will have 150 things on my list. Um, and I do keep a list, but I don't do it as a daily tick off. Um, yeah. I, I tend to be far, far more, um, not reactive, but far more, okay, I've got to get this piece done and this piece done, the big blocks. And it's probably the smaller stuff in between that is um, more, of I try to give it away to somebody else to tell you the truth. That's <laughs> that's, that's what I attempt to do. Yeah, I, I was saying to um to one of the ladies who I worked with yesterday, we were chatting about something, and I said, "Yeah, I'm never going to do that again." I don't think. And she's like, "Huh?" And I said, "No, no. As long as you're here, I'm never doing it." <laughs> I said, "I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. So best I don't do it." Yeah, <laughs> leave me with I the mean, stuff I enjoy. I think that is so, properly then, doesn't it? Yeah, somebody said to me years ago about um, 
don't strengthen your weaknesses, just strengthen your strengths. So if you're a good entrepreneur, this was who told me this. If you're, you know, crap at math, just find somebody who's great at math and get them to do the math work. And, and you'll learn by, by them explaining and observing and all the rest, but don't try and solve that. Don't try and become the maths genius. And rather than doing that, go the other way. And if you're, say, great at, I don't know, um, writing, say, for instance, if you've got, or if you're great at marketing, just put your focus into the marketing. Do that, but put the right people around you. <coughs> and I go, that to me makes so much sense. If you, you know, like I said before, if I had to write something, it might take me half a day to write it as opposed to if I had to draw you something, it might take me, um, you know, like minutes or even hours, but in half a day, what I would achieve drawing would be more than one page of um, writing. So don't write things, yeah. you know, um, for, mm. for me. And then, yeah, what I find is, is often the planners. So this guy also said to me, he said, so do that. And then when you're looking for a mentor, Find a mentor who is the same genre as you. So if you're profiling them and they fit it into, you know, this sort of creative or whatever it is, find somebody who's the same as you. So if, it, if say, for instance, Scott is um, a writer and a business person, if he was to be your mentor, if it's what flows with you really easily and he's the same, he makes his money the same way as you do, um, then that would be a, a great mentor as opposed to being, say, someone who's a speaker. Or if it's a speaker, who is the speaker? Um, yeah. Yeah, is there really? I, I, I went, oh, I'm so just because that, yeah, but just because somebody's successful doesn't mean you'll be successful the same way. Mm. It, it means that you're, you've got to find your successful map, your map of success you'll find it fastest in the way of somebody else who is the same as you, the same yeah. type of, same personality, same business type, same da-da-da-da-da. So, yeah, I've always, always found that a really interesting concept and I often look around and I go, yeah, that's really clever what they've done, but it's not me. And that yeah. age, age does that for you, you know. Age does that, you know, you go, oh, okay, yeah, I've tried about 10,000 things, so why didn't those ones work? Yeah, put the same yeah. amount of effort into them. Mm. Well, everyone's always like, oh, you should start this business, do this business, do this business. You're young. I'm like, there's no point me trying to do those businesses because I've got no idea about anything in them. And so it's like it, it's that concept of you've got to kind of do yeah, work to your strengths. Yeah. So I'm not going to try and teach someone how to do clothesline yes. business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a fashion design business or that, something. Yes. It's not you. Yeah. It's not me. All I can do is say, hey, I can help you with um, the structure of how you can do it. Yeah. But I'm not going to give you advice on the fashion. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you'll need these <laughs> yeah. things. It's, it's, a, it's such a fascinating thing that, um, you know, like I, I, for many years, I was a fashion designer and I often get people saying to me, oh, we can start a clothing line. I go, oh, cool, like this. And then um, I'll say, they'll ask me, can you know, we ask you some questions and stuff? I go, yeah, yeah, for sure. And when I explain to them that um, it, 
let's forget the fashion piece just for a minute and go, what's the distribution model? And how do you control floor space in a shop? And I imagine books is similar to this. So how do you, if you're going to go to retail, then A, you've got to have a margin that you can make money from and the retailer can make money from. And B, you've got to demand some shelf space because the best sellers get the shelf space and they also use the leverage of the distributor um, who says, this is the book that's coming. This is what we want from it. This is how it'll be promoted. This is all the marketing money that'll be spent. And this is why we want it in your window. Um, and then the bookshop goes, hmm, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do that because they know it'll drag people. And even if they don't buy that book, they'll buy another book. And getting control in a clothing company, getting control of rack space is what we call it, or floor space. So how big a space can my brand control in the store? And at what point would it be dangerous for the store owner to have too much of my stuff? So if I had 60% and you do a really terrible range, um, then what happens next? I've got 60% of my store that doesn't sell well for a whole season, too big a risk. So you often see stores and they'll carry six or eight brands um, and they will split it up. But each year, some brands get a bigger spot. You know, the the (laughs) shift is a shift in percentages. Um, and so like when I go, that's what you're aiming for and you want to work out who your distrib- distribution is and how much floor space maximum they could ever have because then you can work out your number, amount of turnover that you'll make from each store and then you start working backwards from there and how many <coughs> um, items do they have to turn over that money in their shop. And so yeah. people go, oh, I didn't want to think about that. I just wanted to think about something pretty. And you go, yeah. Getting to do really pretty stuff means thinking about that stuff or someone who does and then designing with that strategy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It, the, the business of business is fascinating. You know? Yeah, and a lot of people get quite scared of that. They like the pretty stuff that goes along with um, The excitement of the idea. Business. The yeah. excitement, yeah. And like, yeah. I totally get that. I get caught up oh. all the time. 100%. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's when you come back and you go, okay, so now I've got to figure out <laughs> how to actually survive on this and make it actually sell. Got to see something. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's happening. And yeah. uh, oh. I spend time and money and effort and all the rest, and it could have just been moved a little bit sideways and I would have made an income from it. I would have monetized it as opposed to, just got it done. That's what I love about your journey is, is, you know, you started out writing a couple of books and then you you go out and write your Thrive book and in doing it, you worked out, you were saying at the start there, I worked out how to sell it and you're still working out how to maximise that and you know it means that people buy people and so when you turn up and when you've got a voice, you know, like we're doing now, then people buy people. They go, oh, I like that girl. Yeah. it's so interesting because it's like you're always told with business you're buying the product yeah and in all the business books like oh from memory none of them they all they all say oh you've got to be um there's such a stereotype behind the business owner Mm -hmm. and so I've always been like oh you know all these big guys they they have this persona that's why people really enjoy they can trust them 
then they buy their product. And I said, well, how do we do that in sense of not being big speakers, mentoring people? So thinking about that as a young entrepreneur and trying to connect with the community and bring value to them yeah. and trying to say, hey, like I might not be Grant Cardone. I might not be Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. But I've got something that I know that will benefit you. Sure. And if, like, fight me on it. Like, if, yeah. if it doesn't help you, like, bring it back, I'll give you back your money. Like, yeah. I just want you to give yourself a chance at something. And so, yeah, really interesting. In saying, in saying that with, um, you know, you're, you're early in your journey, um, although a long way compared to your age, so, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're a long way down the journey compared to your age, but you're early in the journey and compared to your life. And when you look at that, and it's that thing of being able to help others with something, and you already recognise that people buy people, they want to buy somebody that they, a face, a name or a face that they can trust. You are the brand. You are the product. Uh, what a, a, how you get a piece of that product is, is you buy the book. That's the, that's the way. And that's no different, really, than most speaker, authors, um, those kind of people. You know, that they, they can leave you with a piece of their wisdom, um, whether it be on a YouTube channel or whether it be on, you know, in a book or whether it be in video series or whatever. They can leave you with some of their wisdom that you can um, grow and take on for yourself and you find the parts that work. Yeah. It's been fascinating. Yeah. Um, one last question, which is, uh, this is going to be a really cool question. We'll see how we go. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self? This is oh, really yeah. easy to do when you talk to somebody <laughs> in their 50s or 60s or whatever. But what would you tell your younger self that would make this journey just that bit easier? What would you What would you do? I probably, I don't know. It's rough because to think my younger self, I'm 19. So are we <laughs> no. talking like 10 or I don't know. five? I don't know. There must be something that, yeah. well, it could be last year. It could have been last week. If, if there's something that you go, I didn't see this coming. Or if I'd known this, I would have done this bit better or faster. Um, or uh, yeah, what what is it? What's one of those as say you are 19. So what is one of those <laughs> lessons um, that you'd say to your younger self? To be honest, I have, I was reflecting on everything I have done because one of my friends said to me the other day, they're like, Kobe, I don't think you understand. Like we remember all those times you were just absent from everyone's lives because you were working so hard on creating your life. And she said, to think that you are here today doing what you're doing. Did you actually ask me, she's like, do you, did you ever imagine that you'd get to this point so quickly? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought it was going to take another 10 years. Like I yeah. thought this is going to be the longest journey of my life. But even at this point, I've just been opened up to this opportunity that, that there is so much, so much more ahead of me. Yeah. And so if I had to tell something to my younger self, I'd just say, do what you're doing. Because what I was doing 
when I was 15, 14, I was waking up at 3am selling things. I was, and then I'd be going to bed at night and I'd be writing. So yeah. I was always, not always, I was still having fun. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but I was doing something right. And it, like, I can't even really pinpoint it where I was doing something. And it's, I think, having that routine and having that passion, that drive yeah. from such a young age that I would, to my younger self, probably 10, maybe 14, just say, keep doing keep it going. because it gets better. Because yeah. I wouldn't want to be any further than I am right now because I'm quite enjoying where I am right now. I'm enjoying the relaxed. I'm still a teenager, so I'm still having fun. Yeah. But I'm also living my truth and doing exactly what I love. And opportunities as is, is yours, you know. One of the things yeah. I, I certainly see with Paris, my daughter, um, because she's, you know, left school and she's got her own business and all those things, um, and she's built a reputation for doing what she does, she is a magnet. People, yeah. people go, how do we, how do we support? How do we help? How do we um, use your skills? How do we do those things? And it's fascinating to watch. It's like, um, whereas I see other kids who are same age, I mean, she's a year younger than you, Paris, but same age and they're a repellent. They're actually a repellent. They haven't become magnetic. They are, um, that they're the opposite at the moment. Their energy is, is the opposite energy. And so their journey is just going to take longer to kick in. Well, yeah, the joy of their journey will take longer to kick in. And I go, wow. Yeah. And you're, you're living proof of the fact, you know, like scholarship, MIT, um, these yeah. things that just go, you're a magnet. You're a magnet. Yeah. You're, well, you're super attractive. It pulls it into you. Super interesting because it was – Saturday, when I did my book signing, maybe two weeks ago, uh -huh. I met someone, I met one of my professors, and she she's the one I had the podcast interview with, and she said, you're going to go to MIT, we want to send you to MIT, like, you need to go above and beyond. After that podcast, the dean of MIT commented uh -huh. on the podcast and said, amazing work, you're going places, Kobe. And I was like, that's not even possible. I said, no, that's not. You set that up. And she's texting me. She's going, this is this not is, like, this what? is real. Like, this how? is real. Yeah. And, I, and so it's like that energy. And it's like how I met Paris. I um, just doing my thing. We bumped into each other. She was doing her thing. Yeah. And it was instant. I was like, I want to know this person. Yeah. Like instantly. I was like, I want to be friends with her. And I don't know what it was like for her, but then that when we similar. finally actually got together, it was just, I think we spent three and a half hours just talking. Like we didn't stop. I don't think we even breathed. <laughs> like I was meant to be interviewing her. Her transcript for my book was impossible nearly, <laughs> but it was just so inter interesting being around and it's like that energy. We just I, attract each other. I always say to people, I think this is fascinating thing, you know, if two dogs run into the park, they see each other and they might snap and growl or they might run and play or whatever it is. When two dogs of the same breed recognize each other, it's a different, it's a different game. I used to own an Airedale Terrier 
And you'd go to the park and she'd play with other dogs and stuff. She'd see another Airedale Terrier. And it was just like she'd found her where she belonged. And it would just be a whole nother thing. I'd never experienced it before. And then I started watching other dogs that were similar, like where they'd see another dog of the same breed. And the level of recognition um, goes up. And yeah. whether, I don't know whether it's, I don't even know why. I'd love to have somebody <laughs> who could tell me why. But the same happens when we're, um, you know, designing something or when we're um, creating creating anything. When we find, you know, a bird of a feather as such, we recognise them and we get excited by it and, we, and they get excited by it and then time stands still. It just, you know, like yeah. that thing. And I think it's really key in, in life to go, those are those people that do that they're the ones that you get to really trade energy with and yeah yeah again it um that makes the difference to the joy of a journey and that you know you've got to learn from all types sometimes you don't get that from people either which is yeah just part of it i love the idea of these little um like mini pieces that you're talking about mini books <laughs> little little diggins i think that's really exciting um yeah and also your network's going to expand like ridiculously. So enjoying being able to pull from that big network and sharing more in a written form or whether it's that and speaking, I think would be really, really exciting as well. For the audience that's listening out there, we're going to post all Kobe Lee's socials and stuff like that. And we'll post a link so you can buy her book because you're, you know, you're supporting a poor uni student. Um, (laughs) This is what I'm surviving on. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. If she's only eating just, you know, dry bread, that's our fault (laughs) as a community. Um, Now, one of the things there is is that uh, your book, you know, will bring value to anybody who's in business and also inspiration to young people in business. So if you're a parent there and you would love your kids to get a bit of inspiration and a bit of get up and go by thrive and um, read it with them, read it with them, become a part of that journey. Um, I've got one more question. Who is your ideal customer? Who's the ideal customer for thrive? Who buys most? Surprisingly, the people who buy most are either people exactly like myself in Paris, those motivated mm-hmm. teenagers, those, what do they call anonymous anomalies? Yeah. Anomalies. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one. Or it's parents supporting their kids, their 10-year-old kids. I've met so many parents who have got these young kids who are just so entrepreneurial without any influence. And they're like, I'm going to do it. And their parents are like, well, how do I support you? So it's aimed at those kids, but it's also it's aimed at the parents who are going to buy it for those kids. Because as a 10-year-old, you probably don't have money so well Well, yeah 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 depending you know unless you're a a tiktok star or whatever but yeah Yeah. i think i think you know it doesn't really matter which level you are at at what you're doing um there's always there's always a journey to learn more well that's what i always say when people say oh i'm too old to start a business when i'm selling my book and i say oh please you're too young to start a business i was like oh stop it like you can learn anything at any part. You're the person, like, you're limiting yourself if you're saying you can't do that. And then they're like, oh, okay. 
And I was like, so do you want, do you want to have a look at it? Because if it's not wanting to start a business, I also, I just teach healthy routine practices because that's pretty much starting a business for a teenager. It's getting that discipline. So I'm teaching discipline, how to wake up in the morning and just do it, how to get things done without making it toxic, without sacrificing everything and completing school at the same time because if school is your thing, then that's very important. And I understand understand school's not for everyone. So it's just teaching people how to live their lives in a positive way. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Toby, thank you so much for joining me. It's so cool. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. And as I said, we'll post everything so people can chase you down and find your book. (laughs) And they can support some retailers that you retail through as well. That's really cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. So thanks a Thanks so much for having me. Um, My absolute (laughs) pleasure. Take care. You too. See ya. Bye. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.